What's up, everybody? You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Joining me today in just a moment are going to be my guys. The Big Three is back. The Big Three is back, baby, and so is baseball. We're going to be talking today a whole lot about the New York Yankees. Man, Yankees fans have been ecstatic about the season, and it's finally here. But our obligation here also is to talk about all this drama with Odell Beckham Jr. So we're going to spend about, you know, Probably like 10 minutes on Odell Beckham, but then it's hardcore Yankee preview because, let's be honest, it's pinstripe season. So with me here today, co-founder of SportsBlogNewYork.com, Phil DeMeo, and the other member of the big three, Mike Palmazano. But Phil, what up, man? Pete, I'm ready for baseball. I'm sick of this giant Odell talk. It's March. It's April. We need something else to talk about here. That's why we're here for some Yankee baseball. Much how we feel about the New York Yankees. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Um, it, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and I, wow. I just can't. I can't wait. I legitimately can't wait. I've been waiting for this for for months, pretty much since the Super Bowl. March Madness got me going a little bit, wet my beak. Uh, did pretty good the first uh, weekend. Last weekend uh, broke even ish, and um, you know we're going into Final Four, looking to come out on top. But baseball season is back. I am so ready. I'm so pumped. Let's get into it. I mean, Mike, you texted me and Phil today when we said basically. Yo, we got to talk about this Odell stuff, and you couldn't have been more disinterested. You're like, I am checked out. The only thing I care about is the New York Yankees. It's the pinstripes. Everything else is irrelevant. Yeah, I think my actual words were uh, football is trash or football is garbage, one or the other, and um, I, st- I stuck by it. There was, I think you guys actually put in a little Etro um, article, which I, I, I read. It was good, but I, I, just really, I didn't really want to do anything else with the Yankees. You little Yankee snob, huh? Uh, I'm yeah. Yankees, I'm on one team. It'll take to the next level. And yeah, that Ichiro story, if you haven't seen it, just go on to ESPN for the Ichiro story. It's absolutely fascinating. It's a little scary as well. It's kind of a, a thriller like of Ichiro's story. life. Like it's it's He's nuts. Die. <laughs> he might he might not make he it. He already said he will die when baseball He's done. he can't play baseball anymore. This man's entire life, well being, everything is revolved around baseball. It, it's just insane. He cries to himself to sleep when he's in a slump. But we digress. We do digress. And before we get back to the Yankees, because that's why we are here, it is our I'm gonna call it moral, a uh, professional obligation. Everything. It's every sort of obligation it is to talk about Odell Beckham. I mean I've been on Twitter talking about it. The Sport Blog NYC, which is our sportsblognewyork.com Twitter, has been on it too. I'm pretty sure, Phil, our poll that you put up, should the Giants trade Odell Beckham? Or did you say, do you want the Giants to I'm, trade Odell I'm, Beckham? I bring it up for you. It was shockingly higher than yes, he should be traded. I, it ended it up being shockingly. super close to even. The last time I checked, it was actually 51% to 49% on do you want the Giants to trade Odell Beckham? I were exactly were. Wow. It's 50-50 exactly. 50-50 exactly. Do you think the New York Giants should trade Odell Beckham? Um, 1,087 votes, 50%, 50%. That is That's insane. Wild. Over 1,000 votes. Five, 500 people. Uh, 544, actually, be exact. Okay, you work for um, Fidelity over here. but uh, Mr. Accountant. Mr. Accountant. I'm not an accountant. I'm a client experience, all right? I get it right. Whatever, whatever. But anyway, it, we got to talk about Odell Beckham here. So I'll, I'll start it off, and then, Phil, you can take it from here. And uh, I'm actually happy Mike is here, even though you don't care about football at the moment. You are also a Steelers fan. Uh, by trade, so Antonio Brown can be brought up uh, just from a from a theoretical standpoint, right? So Odell Beckham, on the block or not, we don't really know. Dave Gettleman's kind of kind of keeping the lips a little tight, 
keeping it in the air. But recently, specifically on Tuesday, more things have been said to say that the Giants may want to actually keep him. So what I'm going to say is this. Odell Beckham Jr. is an immense talent, and everybody knows that. The Hall of Fame talent. The one thing that bothers me, Phil, and I'll let you take it after this, because I hear different people cite different stuff. Some people say no wide receivers should be paid this much. It really, you know, it really puts a stranglehold on the cap. It doesn't allow the team to be flexible. Uh, so some people say no wide receiver should be paid that much. That I can kind of accept. Some people say he's injury prone, which isn't completely fair because, you know, his second and third year, he basically played every game, 15 and then 16. Last year, he broke his leg, right? But what really, really bothers me the most is when people cite his antics yeah. as a reason to trade this guy away. It really blows my mind because all you hear about from his teammates, from his coaches, from people inside the organization is that this man works his ass off. This man wants to win, and this man is putting his body on the line when he goes out there when he's not having a broken leg and tries to win and tries to compete. If the Giants want to keep Eli Manning and expect to compete this year, trading Odell Beckham does not accomplish much. And just getting picks in return for Odell Beckham, that means you need to at least get between the couple picks that you receive talent that would equal Odell Beckham, that sort of talent. And it's insane to me. So, Phil, I'm chopping at the bit here. Okay. Where, where are you standing on all this? All right, first of all, I'm a Jeff fan. So I am. I, I think I'm coming to a clear view here. Because the most Giants fans, they go, "Why do we want to trade him?" I think most people who say trade him are like Jets fans, not non Giants fans. So every Giant fan I talk to, for the most part, no way to trade this guy. And so with the antics, quantify with me his his antics. I'm using air quotes that, that result in losses for the team. One thing you point to maybe the boat in Miami, which I think the Giants lost that no matter what. They did just play a good game. They had no pass rush that game. I imagine that played that defense. Two, the net. You're going to trade a guy because he got kicked the net over. He was mad during the game. He showed passion. The next game versus Baltimore, he took an 80 yard slant to win the game. Like, you can't replace that with another talent. Like, you can't quantify that, what he does with wins and losses with that. But I could say when he got hurt, you won three games without him there. A lot of shitload of problems happened with the Giants, but him, him going down was basically the red flag to the season, correct? Yeah. Two, if you want to say, I don't want to pay a receiver that, that, that I, I couldn't understand that route. But if you're saying I don't want to pay him that, what has he proven to not have a good, big contract? The Jets just paid Tremaine Johnson $15 million a year. For one, only for one year. His contract goes, it's for a loan contract. But if he's worth $15 million, Odell's not worth $20 million? All right, so, so here's the thing, and I, I agree with you on a lot because it's hard just to account the, the off-the-field antics. But when you have a guy who hasn't been the healthiest receiver on the league. For one year because he got uh, hurt. It was his rookie season, he, started, he had to miss the first half of the season too. He bounced back pretty well. Yeah, but he's still, you know, that's two injuries in the first uh, few years of his career, so you got to keep an eye on that. That's a big one. You can't go hang out with models and have blow in the video uh, and then demand uh, a contract and, and demand a holdout. Like, you got one or the other. There's got to be one or the other. You got to pick either the holdout guy or you got to pick the off the field drama guy. Because at some point, his teammates are going to be, they're going to be good teammates. They are. But they're going to defend him for so long until there's a point where it's exhausting. It's emotionally tiring. They know how much he means to the team, though. Like, you look at the receiving core last year without Odell Beckham. I like Sterling Shepard a lot, but he's not. he can't lead a core. Let's say like, like, like they trade these trade this Odell Beckham for picks. First of all, the idea that you could just stockpile picks and hit on every pick is not possible. Especially the Giants have a terrible track record. I know it wasn't Gettleman, it was Jerry Reese, but still. They have a terrible track record. I think people play too much Madden 2K. You could just trade players and get players. That's not how, that's not how it works at all. Yeah, but it's it's just a, like, especially if you're GM making that decision, now you're, you're 
you're basing your whole career off these five draft picks. You're gonna base your career off that. But at the same time, if you're the owner, how many times are you gonna watch this guy crawl around and make believe he's a dog and pee? That, that, I can't defend it's, that. It's every, but like, it just builds up and builds up, and you know, it, it happened with Chalky. You brought in a coach and Coughlin, who was as stern as can be, and he couldn't he couldn't shut him down. Then you brought in the nice players coach. He came and he got fired after two years. So this is your third coach in in, in his four or five years. Like at some point, it, it's the owner's gonna have Jomai's gonna be sick and tired of him. Like you you try both ways, and maybe try in the middle, but you know when when's enough enough? Like. You know, if he keeps up and can't mature, he's going to be 27, 20 and getting paid a boatload of money, tail end of his prime, and all of a sudden you don't have a quarterback in Eli anymore. You're like, wow, like we should have got the picks when we had the chance. But that's if he doesn't mature. And I'm not saying he's going to. I'm not saying he's not. But, at, you know, you have to make the, the decision at some point. Well, I think what John should do, I need to draft a quarterback at two and be at that next quarterback for the next three, four years of all those prime of his career. If I was drawing his dream, that's what I would do. But it looks like they're not doing that at all. Well, the, the quarterback thing with this year's draft is so up in the air. And, and this is where I keep falling back on. You keep mentioning, Mike, about how you get tired of it. And I think that's true. I think that's actually super fair. But what is the main reason that the front office, the coaches, and the owners are tired of answering these questions? Because it's the not, media. Be- it's not because it they care. Yeah. Gettleman literally said with a smirk on his face today in a press conference, all I, all I saw was pizza in the video. Like he, they, don't, they didn't see the video. They don't care. If they were all going to guess, and I'm not saying that they're betting men, but if the, the, the leaders of the New York Giants organization were betting men, they would be betting their life that Odell Beckham is around all that stuff when he's in Europe for Fashion Week. Like, What do you expect from one of the most famous athletes with in the Ronaldo, world? A 24-year-old good-looking athlete who had all the money he could have with Ronaldo in Europe. I, I think... I will say Gettleman looked like a boss today. He he came up and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't care." That that was that was pretty baller. Um, and he hasn't had to deal with a lot of the stuff yet, so I I think this just you know he, he could get through it now. But I think it's also the 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 con of, of the New York market. You know, that's absolutely everyone knows. It. Yeah, that's that that comes with the territory, and there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Everything's gonna be magnified. Everything's gonna be glorified. Think of and you you have to use him as an example. Derek Jeter was the top athlete in this city for two decades. You found a couple of pictures of him in the tabloids. He was with some models. You know, in the early screen, he had the George Steinbrenner at the club, and then they had turned it into a commercial. You know, like, it happened so frequently. You count on your hands, and then all of a sudden, he retires. You don't hear anything at all. Like, you have to, he's got to model Derek Jeter if he wants to be the, the Jerry Rice of this generation, if he wants to be the, the Derek Jeter of, these, of, of this generation. I think it's a totally different generation. The social media generation, is, I can't even compare it to seven years ago. Yeah, imagine Derek the girls. G- imagine the girls getting gift baskets from Derek Jeter, who had an Instagram. Yeah, they'd be posting. Oh, look at this! Exactly. I got from Derek, Derek Jeter. Jeter. I think when the several came around, they, Jeter made them play like a cell phone in the uh, like a, uh, a bowl. Yeah, sure. But like, now it's like it's part of like life. You gotta adapt. You gotta adapt. You gotta you, 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 I'm, I'm not defending his. I'm not defending his um, actions, but I just think they're overblown. Over like, did make a big deal? Older Beckham can win you football games. I think. When you trade Odell Beckham. Football standpoint, you're uh, you're 100% right. Um, That's what it comes down to. You're running a football organization. If I'm the owner, you know, just me, you know, I I don't know how much, you know, this guy's running around. The Giants have been the most respected organization forever the last two years. They look like they've been ran into a muck. But what would have to take? If you were going to to trade him, if you're going to trade Odell for picks, what would it be? Or players? You know, three first rounds and a quarterback for the team? I think you're, you're taking five steps back. In hopes to go eight steps forward. Yeah, and I don't it's know. A, I don't, like, you, to leave to let a Hall of Fame talent, just basic with what Odell Beckham is in football, he's a Hall of Fame talent, just because of a couple of things that's off the field. Because I I can understand from a money standpoint, 
How about the money, Sam? Do you think he's worth $20 million for, well, for, that, to a rising cap? That's exactly why I'm glad we have you here. We didn't bring this up yet. So, Mike, as a Steelers fan, I just want to ask you, because you have two players over there in Pittsburgh. One of them actually has been holding out for two, was it, two years in a row now. He's also been suspended for the drug problem that people think Odell Beckham has. People always say, oh, man, the drugs, like he's going to get suspended for drugs. Innocent until proven guilty. My man hasn't failed a drug test, and if he does, I'll eat my tongue, and I'll bite my words, or whatever the hell you want to say. He hasn't had that happen yet. So, Mike, as a Steelers fan, you have A, the top wide receiver uh, in the league who's being paid as such. Antonio Brown has a $17 million contract, so he has that whole cap hit thing going on. And then you also have Le'Veon Bell, who wants to be paid in the same ilk as Odell Beckham wants, but he keeps getting franchise tagged. He's pissed about it, and he's by all means earned it. But the Steelers are being, you know, probably a smart organizational move, making that move and not giving him the uh, the long contract. But realistically, Le'Veon Bill did everything he could to deserve that outside of the suspension, which Odell Beckham never got. He never has been suspended. So take your team as an example. Do you think that the Antonio Brown contract hinders the team? And do you think Le'Veon Bell asking for his contract hinders the team? And also, compare it the market-wise, if Odell was suspended two years in a row— Phil, get my pen and paper. This is going to be a long one. I'm sorry. I'm just giving you a lot, to, and then you just want I just want you to take no, it from here. No, but I, if Odell was suspended twice and then was asking for this contract, it'd be a different story. It, it's so crazy because you have two players of the same caliber, both— arguably the top in their positions. One was a season earlier, a couple seasons earlier, in, in Antonio Brown, and he got paid the 68 over four years, you know? His off the field is, you know, you see his, his Instagram and, and his Snapchat. It's, it's all, you know, just him working out, him staying, you know, he's not really going out too, too much. He's really out of the media. And he got paid, you know, and, and it kind of set a precedent because now Odell wants minimum Antonio Brown, which I don't think that's crazy to ask. Not I think crazy. I think they're equal. If I pers- I mean obviously biased, you know, a lot of people would, would agree. Antonio Brown won, maybe Odell two, maybe Julio Jones up in that mix, but Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins also sure. getting paid seventeen mil. Um and, and then here comes Le'Veon Bell and he's holding out big time. And he you know, the Steelers offered him, you know, they say around like fifteen a year, which for only five years, you know. And that's pretty good money, but he wants to, you know, his show his stats. You know, he's he catches just as much as a top ten receiver. Like his yards from scrimmage, like he's he's probably the best player right now in the NFL. Or on a whole, from a production standpoint, right. absolutely sure. The Steelers' thing is they want to construct contracts so you could fr- keep backloading them and have the salary cap. You know, Roethlisberger does it every year. Brady does it in in New England every year. It's they restructure. So okay, this year's cap hit is going to be. Three million, but you know you're so you're guaranteed bonuses, and if you you pass for six touchdowns, you're gonna get fifteen million. You know everything is so structured. Right. I think Bell is is making more of a, a, a you know a stand here, saying you know I want to change the game. All the running backs tweet about you know change the game, man. You're the man. You should be getting this. So I think it's less of the off the field drama, but it's 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 still gonna turn into the same situation where you know. I don't think I'm. I'm not trading Le'Veon Bell. You know, is is so. is the uh, the cap hit not the cap hit, but is the salary that they're making? Do you feel like it hinders the Steelers' flexibility as a team? Antonio Brown, it definitely hinders. Sure, it's it's you know you're, you're taking what's what's the salary cap in the NFL now? So like what? So my question becomes, and Phil, you can jump in here. What do you what do you want to pay a top five wide receiver in the league? Do you want to pay him nine million to save your team ten? Like how does that work? This is my final point. So I think a winning recipe. I hate the fact that there's like a concrete winning recipe in the NFL. You need like an old lineman, you need D lineman, you need to build it inside out, which is true. Uh, quarterback. Quarterback. But yeah, the number one thing for all winning teams recently, besides Brady, because he, he takes less money, they win on their rookie contract. Carson Wentz, the Eagles just won on his rookie contract. Russell Wilson, 
one on his rookie contract. Now he makes $25 million a year and they can't pay O-line. I mean, he's going to die Absolutely. versus Sue and Donald. But I hate the fact that, oh, you can't pay a receiver. This year, I don't know how much Jeffrey made. Jeffrey made a good amount of money. It was a one-year deal. They accepted him, but they won a Super Bowl. A year, two, two Super Bowls ago, the, uh, the Falcons had Julio Jones and Matt Ryan making top dollar, and they they basically won the Super Bowl. They choked it. Like they right. did everything right to win the Super Bowl. They did everything. So that recipe, I think the recipe. Oh, you shouldn't pay these high guys. Like it's changing. There's no concrete way to win a uh, to win a Super Bowl. It's year by year. You, it, it takes it only takes one team to break the mold. Right. And I think Odell Beckham can win your Super Bowl. I think he, he's a game changer. He's the type of guy, and I don't think anyone's argued this, that could change the game and help you win it. He's done it for the Giants. He arguably, I, I feel pretty strong about this, basically extended Eli Manning's career to a point where people still thought he was a good quarterback. People deny that. People are Eli apologists. Which is insane. Eli Manning is not good without Elder Beckham. It's insane to me that people still think he has multiple They played the O-line this year, but it's crazy. I saw Eli play. wasn't that good. So let's let's finish up here because yeah, we got to get to the Yankees, right? So I'll, I'll make my point, and then you guys can make your final point. If in a world where the Giants are going to trade Odell Beckham, this what is the mi- this is the minimum. And I'll, let me also say this: I don't think it's going to happen. I think Odell Beckham's playing for the Giants when this next season. It would starts. shock me. It, it would shock me as we well. Say, do they extend him next year after this after do this they, season? They, they work on that because Gettleman's not like shaking in his boots. He's not scared. He doesn't yeah. care right now. And I, I like that a lot about him. If if I in a world where they trade Odell Beckham, I want. At minimum, one player who is an established NFL player. He doesn't have to be great. Just a guy who you know can play in the league. And then the picks. Because just getting picks for a guy like Odell Beckham does not guarantee you anything. It gives you, you, you a gun without any bullets in it. Even if you get 50-50 on those picks that you get for Odell Beckham, you're likely not getting what you have in him. Sure, it's going to be cheaper. So I don't feel confident making that trade. And I'm going to leave one point by Chris Sims, who uh, some people love, some people hate. Um, he said, in 10 years, if you trade Odell Beckham, you can look back and say, holy shit, we traded the Jerry Rice of this generation. And that's a crazy, crazy statement, but this man has been a production machine. I don't want him to leave the Giants. Let's, let's play what if for a second. If the Giants traded him, imagine him on the Patriots, imagine him on the Browns with a new, newly wrapped offense, imagine him with the like Eagles of Patriots, imagine him on these other teams, uh, the Rams, yeah, the Rams. 49ers. For, imagine like him somewhere else, like... They'll cause destruction around the league. I just he's part his good outweighs his bad. He's part of the solution, not the problem. That's my final take. Um I, I saw something that since he's been the head coach of the Patriots, Bill Belichick hasn't drafted a receiver in the first three rounds, something like that. Um so point being, you know, even though he had, you know, Randy Moss fall into his lap, they never won a Super Bowl with him. You know, he gets these kind of uh receivers that get him to come to his team and he just he works around them. So um, and I think you know, I was you know, having an argument with my friends about it. You know, n- the last almost two decades, name like the best wide receiver to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you want to say Marvin Harrison was with Peyton Manning like, when they won. Like, and and the whole Randy Thomas Moss. Sanders. Randy Moss didn't win uh, a Super Bowl. Like he basically won. They were eighteen and, and uh, Julio like, Jones too. Like yeah, they bring them there. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I get it, but come on. Still okay. get close. So, that's so, why. So if, uh <laughs> uh, you've named Marvin Harrison over the, the last two decades, and he won one. And your other point was Randy Moss basically lost in the – Phil, did the Patriots win or did they lose that Patriots Super Bowl? Patriots won that one. Uh, Patriots lost that one. Huh? The right. Giants. Yeah, so uh, they, they went, won 18 games. They didn't win. Point being, I don't think the receiver position is vital to win a Super Bowl in this league. If you can get anywhere like – and I was saying before, if the Browns are share offered – 
Um, number four. You know, the, no, no, they're number one, and next year's first overall pick, and their second round pick, and um, they're not trading one. I, I'm just hyper. You know, yeah. th- and then the quarterback. Uh, uh, let's go from the Bills. Taylor. Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. I think the Giants would definitely have to consider that. <sighs> I get it, man. I right, get let's it. Let's go to the Bronx. We gotta get. We gotta go to the Bronx. I just want to say I have some friends who are Giants fans who also don't like Odell and want to trade him. And this and that. it really just blows my mind, man. It blows my mind. But when this dude is running sixty-yard touchdowns and saving Eli's man in career for another time, we're we're gonna be cheering if you're a Giants fan. So I don't want to hear this this freaking. Hate I hope he comes back and just murders everybody. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. My last take. He ain't getting traded. Heard it here first. We all, we also we also said Girardi was again fired. That's facts. Uh, I said that, and I I hit my words. I hit my words. What are you gonna do? All right. Well, Sports Block New York podcast. Yeah, I, said the, I said the table real nice for that one. Pete Kennedy, Phil DeMail, Mike Palmisano in here talking. That's enough. Giants. Odell. I mean, the the drama with him has been driving me insane. I'm sorry that we spent so long on it right there. But now let's get to some hopefully all positive stuff here because the Yankees, man, they're set up to make a run. They're set up to be dominant offensively. Pitching staff might actually be uh, under the radar, pretty damn solid. So let's start off with the meat of the lineup. Because a lot of meat. A whole lot. There's a whole lot of meat going on in this Yankees lineup. So let's talk about the top four, the top five. We're disregarding Greg Bird, who's now out for a bit. So the li- lineup or the general players. The, uh, the I want to talk about the whoever's going to fit in that early part of the lineup because there's a little bit deba- right. a little bit of debate there of who should be the leadoff hitter, who should right. be batting second. I think that we haven't thing. we had discussed this, uh, but we'll go on the fly now. I think Garner's really love man. I think Brian Garner, Brian Garner has a huge year this year. We've seen a lot of fastballs. No one's to be walking him. No one's to throw junk at him for seven, six pitches and walk him. So you spent already seven pitches to walk a guy for the judge, Stanton, D.D. Sanchez. No one's going to do that. So Brett Gunner has, has, is in the best position of his career to yeah, have an outstanding year. I agree wholeheartedly. That's, he's going he's gonna to live up there. I would be shocked if he batted anything less than like 265, 270 with you know, big power, you know, like 10, yeah. 15 home runs. He's, he's going to have a big year. I wonder how he approaches stolen bases. I feel like maybe he might not want to risk – no. Getting going out with those big guys behind them, yeah, but he also could be aggressive. Hey, let's get a scoring position right now. They'll, they'll not be in. We gotta think, you know, when when you get to Judge batting second, and then, uh, you know, I had I had Bird batting third. So, um, but when you have you know the next in the lineup, you're gonna have the big guys. They're gonna be getting the the, the curveballs. Yeah. So that's when you can run. So it's gonna work in both ways. Yeah, exactly. working both ways. Uh, batting second now, Aaron Judge. Right, I, I, agree. I, I think Aaron Judge is sliding mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Um, hope we get first half Aaron Judge for the most part in that one. I want to stop you guys there real quick because I've been a little bit not pushed back because I think Brett Gardner is a leadoff spot. That's a that's a great system, right? No there. one else will go on a team who would do that. They they've been messing they messed around in, in spring training and and they're talking about it and certain analytics can prove this to be a pretty useful thing here. Uh, two names that I think are super interesting to bat leadoff are one Aaron Judge and two some people have been throwing out Aaron Hicks in there. You, you know, it's really going against the grain of the traditional leadoff hitter, which Brett Gardner just absolutely fills that mold. And yes, if you bat Aaron Judge leadoff, that first opportunity of him at the plate would disallow him for RBIs, except for him hitting a leadoff home run. But every other time up, it's basically like Brett Gardner becomes the de facto leadoff in the nine hole. I think it's super, super interesting. Do you guys put any weight into that with Aaron Judge's on base percentage? How daunting of a task he is for a pitcher to start off a game? Do you put any weight in Hicks or Judge batting? Who's leadoff? behind? Who would be behind Judge? 
I don't think it matters. I think it's it's going to happen at some point throughout the season. Who up to the who would be behind them? Then? I don't care. You've got like five guys you could put behind them. You could put Didi second. That'd be pretty sweet, right? If you want to put uh, you want to put Garner second just to switch it up. Cool. You want to put Sanchez second? Neat. Like you know, do, do whatever you want. They put the whole line up there. Now there's you're gonna lead off the guy, especially in, in a situation where you want to give Garner the day off. So you go play at Fenway. You have uh, Judge out in right, standing in front of the wall and left. You got Hicks in center. You know. Um, Hopefully, Clint Frazier's you know, somewhere on his team. Yeah, well, he's got he's concussed right yeah. now, and right now I don't think you know we have to worry about him too much. But yeah, I think there's you know they're definitely going to see uh, judging leadoff at least you know one time. It's they do it with Correa and Springer, you know, they and they're similar hitters. Baltimore did it with Chris Davis in the spring. Yeah, Baltimore's a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Buckshaw Walter, Walter so out, you know out, out of the loop. You got to look at uh, judges' uh, on base percentage. It was you know that I think he had the highest in the American League, or at least it was up there. You know, he you know he gets on base like a leadoff hitter, so why not? If he's going to walk. And, you know, I remember growing up, if you struck out with two strikes, struck out looking, you were really frowned upon. He'll take the count to 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, foul for ball, foul for ball, and then take strike three. But if he's got the good eye and he's going to lay off those pitches, what's the difference between a strikeout or, or a ground out? Unless it's, a, you know, situational hitting. But, yeah. you know, I, I think you could equal the, the both outs, you know. So, I, you know, if he's going to see five, six pitches, why wouldn't it be in leadoff? I mean, it's hard to dispute that. I'll just see that Aaron, but it's a very interesting standard for a first-year manager, Aaron Boone. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. I know I mentioned earlier in the summer that, well, not in the summer, earlier in the winter, I should say, that maybe even D.D. Gregorius can be a guy who can bat leadoff. But then people say, you know, his on-base percentage isn't the best. He's not a super guy who gets a lot of walks. And then I was like, Aaron Judge, like that's the guy. So, uh, right? Let's, let's and, talk and, it out. And what is it? Um, I heard Michael Kay talking about it, so I'll I'll take his numbers for what they are now. But he said. On average, if you bat one spot ahead in the lineup, you get approximately 15 to 20 more at-bats per season. So that would get Aaron Judge that many more plate appearances. That would get, say, John Carlos Stanton bat second that many more plate appearances. And then Sanchez and Didi, and everybody's popped up one spot. And then when Greg Bird comes back, of course, I think it's super interesting. Now, I want to hop over to John Carlos Stanton for a second. Can we play the lineup? Yeah, let's keep going. With Judge is number one? Yeah, so I, all right. So I'm saying, I'm proposing... Judge number one, Giancarlo Stanton number two, Gary Sanchez number three. Okay, it's a lot of righties. Saying, a lot of righties being in the game. I, I don't really care about that too okay. much, to be quite honest. Okay, just just saying, saying that as a fact. No, of, course, of course, it is totally a fact. I like. I didn't even think Greg Bird ne- needed to be in between those guys. When I like he was Didi over Bird in every every scenario. To be so, honest with you. So it, I'll just just think about this. Yeah. You're a pitcher. You walk out there. You throw your warm up pitches. Aaron Judge is the first guy you got to face. God forbid he has a bad at bat. He still works you six pitches. You strike him out. You got to go right back and face Giancarlo Stanton and and Gary Sanchez. Like, are you kidding me? I I see that as absolutely lethal. And then look at the bottom of the order. Not to get there too fast, but Gardner batting ninth, maybe either Drury or Wade or whoever it is batting eighth. That's another flip of the lineup. Those guys don't need the extra thirty at bats, but now they're table setting for your big guns. And it completely flipped. It's a completely fluid lineup. I think Stanton batting second, Sanchez third is absolutely. So lethal. Who's in the middle? You got DD Hicks. Well, uh, you know. We were talking about Bird, and, he, and he's out. Um, and I think we were putting him. I was I was putting him third just to put have the lefty in there, split yeah. it up, get him you know the, the good pitchers to hit. Uh, but you know, imagine last year Greg Bird in, gets injured, you're like, oh my god, this guy was supposed to be the middle of our lineup with Sanchez, you know, and it, it, he was supposed to be uh, you know a big part. And this year you lose him, it's like, okay, we got Neil Walker, Tyler Rawson's pretty good too. You know, you, you we don't have to have to worry about Greg Bird. So I think you go. And I still think it's going to be Gardner opening day. Gardner, Judge, you're going to see Stanton, you're going to see Sanchez, and you're going to see Didi. Um, and then you might see Sanchez fifth. Uh, 
After so DD fourth. Yeah, I could see that. DD yeah. about to clean up all, all the playoffs, and it worked out. I think he's, you know, and he's been he's been stroking. You know, every game I catch, he's, he's awesome, run. man. He's really good. He's the lefties really mean, good too. No one expected him to do this. I I put all the credit to him to put in the work because he turned into a legit you, you top either, ten five shortstop. Do you guys listen year, to um the R two C two Ryan? Yes, amazing. So you listen mm-hmm. to um uh yeah. So when uh Beltran was talking about how uh, he was telling Didi, you know, to to keep facing lefties, keep your shoulder in, and Beltran pretty much you know uh, modified that swing. But you know, I it, it, he's awesome. I'm really he's happy to have him on the team. So so I'm going Gardner, Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Didi, top five. I'll put throw six, uh, Hicks at six. Um, I'll go Drury, Wade, and. Uh, yeah, uh, and walk. Yeah, and, and Walker starting at second. I'll surprise. Probably, probably like Dr- gonna start. Um, yeah. Well, I, not now because he has to Walker's playing first. So yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. Wade. So it'll be probably maybe Walker, Jerry, Wade, something like that. About him out. I always like Neil Walker. I like the pirate. Like the make a good hitter. He's a super like reasonable signing right there. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cheap. Like all that stuff. Uh, let me hop back to Giancarlo Stanton for a second. So he's obviously the biggest move. Who? You heard oh, him, oh. Mike Stanton. Oh, okay. You might know him yeah, as yeah. Mike Stanton. Um. He's obviously the biggest move of the entire baseball universe this year. It was huge. The Yankees got him. Um, the Marlins obviously did their fire nice sale. Nice donation. So, Giancarlo Stanton was a National League MVP. He had 59 home runs. How many home runs? 50, 59. Oh, okay. 59, almost 60. Uh, over 130 RBIs, right? So, that sounds really great. And he was just the MVP and was super fantastic. But now he's playing with a bigger spotlight on him than he ever has before. Goddamn, the Marlins can't even get people in their seats, right? I think it's in his favor. It might be, and that's a good that's a good response. So let me just say this to you: he hit but, the, he, he hit all that with not no one caring. Right. So let me say this to you: in his career, he's had over thirty home runs three times, thirty four, thirty seven, and thirty seven, and then the other years, which are sandwiched in there, twenty four, twenty seven, twenty seven, twenty two. Games a played. Few, a few of those were injury prone. Yeah. One of them, he had only seventy games. The other one, one hundred and twenty. Hit in the face. What is a realistic number? Because. The expectations are clearly there. What is a realistic number of home runs you can see for Giancarlo Stanton? And, and throw an average in there and throw an overall productivity. Do you see a setback or do you see another MVP-esque season a, for him? A, he's healthy. Is he healthy? He's, he's, he's healthy right now, right? Yeah, he's healthy. 45 home runs. 45 to 50. Uh, I want to see a minimum in each category, 260, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. That's all. I'm, that's what I want out of him. That's a lot. I mean, it's not, it's not a lot. You're going. That's the guy who just almost hit 60 home runs for the first time, and who wasn't Barry Bonds in our lifetime, uh, or anyone taking steroids for that matter. Go, almost put 60 up. He's going to come to New I'm York. Not, I'm asking for 60. Yeah, you guys. I'm. I'm going. You're going 15. I'm half, and you're going. You know, three quarters of it. Uh, I want 30 and 100, and I think his presence in the lineup helps everyone out. I think him and Judge are basically going to bounce swings off each other. You know, if they're both in a slump, they're like, um, what's going on? You know, like, I think, I don't, I don't, if you see them both in a slump, it might be for like a couple weeks, like three, four weeks at most throughout the whole season. They're going to bounce off each other. And, and his, his presence is just as equal to his, his uh, quantitative, uh, you know, uh, value to the lineup. So, what do you, what's your expectations for uh, El Gary? Gary, might, you know, picture what Gary did last year and he was out with an arm injury for He's, he arguably the, our best hitter, our best pure hitter on the team. Uh, yeah, you can make it. I I think so. I I say when I you know, big you know Gary comes up, he shoots the ball in the gap. You know, the other two swings they they go the opposite way, but it's just brute power. You know, reminds me of Manny Ramirez. They, a lot of people compare him to that. I think he's I think he's great too. It's just you know all three guys. You get thirty home runs and hundred hundred RBIs out of them. Like how are you gonna how are you gonna complain with that? You know everything else is gravy. You're getting three hundred you know runs over. You know, it's and that's why I also think you know it's good to have the. The, the lineup flip, you know, you get the Wade and the Garner on the bottom there because now all of a sudden you have 
quick guys on base to score runs, you know. Bef- I th- I before we get to pitching now, which, which, what's your worst case scenario for this this lineup? Worst yeah, healthy, case? like uh, how can how can the bottom fall out in this lineup? Because I, I don't know why I'm talking about that, Phil. I'm too optimistic. I feel <clears throat> I've always like crowning them champions. Like no, we they could these guys slump. Uh, uh, what's like the worst? Can you, like you said three four weeks at a time. That's a lot of games to be slumping with you two best hitters. Yeah, but hitters gonna go into slumps. You know, like, it just happens. It's the nature of the game, and you gotta accept it. You know. Uh, I think worst case is that they win 95 games and they're it's a lot. I think you they know, won 91 last year, and they get to the National League MVP. And I, see, I don't and think they, he makes them that much better. I really don't. I think if I, I, I think Houston versus the Yankees. Houston do you know the, the Yankees favorite. played the first six weeks of the season last year with Chris Carter in the lineup? <laughs> True. Uh, uh, without DD, without Sanchez. Think about that. And now you have DD, you have Sanchez. And you have John Carl Stanton. If that doesn't make up four games that they lost in that first span, <laughs> and to go from ninety-one to ninety-five, like you know, and and now they have Sonny Gray all year. Which, if you want to say well, right into the, right right into the rotation, you have Sonny Gray after a full offseason in the in the, the Yankee rotation this year with our uh, Cy Young candidate Severino and Tanaka, who just pitched the lights out in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the rotation. I take too. that back. I think Yankees are obviously better than last year, but I think come playoff time, they're not better than Houston yet. Understood. I think they have something to prove until you yeah. can say they're better than the champions, right? So this is my unscientific take, and I've dropped this on you guys before, uh, not specifically about the Yankees. I think I did this on the Mets last year because the Mets were – remember last year? Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's a yeah, Mets we, town. We remember clearly. It's a Mets town. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right? And Mutz over here was gung-ho. You were very confident. I remember you put your money on the over for the Yankees to hit it. six, correct? Hit it with flying colors, obviously. So 93 and a half is this year. So there's something to this, and I don't know why I believe this so strongly, but whenever there's a team with this crazy expectation, nothing ever goes that smoothly. You know, last That's year, my fear. also last year, not only did people think the Mets were going to be so, like good and a, and a world, people thought the Mets were actually a World Series contender, which is insane to think about after the year that they had. People also, everybody across the board, picked the Cubs to repeat. They hardly made it into the playoffs. Now, granted, the Yankees didn't make it to the World Series, and they're not going to be like having a World Series hangover for that matter. They played deep into the playoffs this year, right? So is any part of you taking all of this hype and all of this expectation and does it make you nervous at all? Because it makes me a little nervous. I'm not even a Yankees fan. No, it, you just look at it from somewhat of a, you know, general American League point of view. You have Houston out of the West. You have Cleveland and, you know, they say Minnesota out of the Central. You know, Minnesota made like a couple moves for for an arm. I I don't think, um, you know, if they didn't make the playoffs of the wild card game, I wouldn't be shocked, you know. And then out of the East, you have the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know. It, it's just, you know, there's not many. There's about the five, six good teams. I'm trying to think who else out of the Central could come out to win. So where's your, where's your worry level with the Red Sox? Because I, I don't think it's, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park for the Yankees to win this division. Brian Cashman, this is why I love Brian Cashman so much. He was on the K Show, and Don LaGreca basically said to him, you know, Brian, you made these moves. You got Giancarlo Stanton, National League MVP. You got this guy. You got that guy. Are you, are you comfortable yet? And he was like, no. Like, I'm never comfortable. This team is nothing yet. Right now, all we want to do is increase from winning a wild card, because that's all we are, as a wild card winner, to being a division winner. Do you think it's some walk in the park that the Yankees are going to win this division? I, I have some breaking news. Vlad Guerrero Jr. just hit a walk-off home run in Montreal. Hey. <laughs> Very cool. Shout out, Vladdy. I have him on my uh, fantasy team. It's a um, a keeper. So I have I have him and the first round of the keeper. You guys want to guess who I took? Nice. Max Scherzer. 
No, I wish. I wish. I've man, Max is my man. Very nice. Um, so what was the question? Yeah, are you nervous with the Red Sox? Because they're 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 <laughs> no, no, not really. No, so so um, <laughs> they're a real team. I know, I know they are. So um, they're gonna be good, the Red Sox. Um, but I I just think you look at the Yankees, they 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 want to prove themselves. They guys like Judge and and Sanchez and Stanton, you know, Stanton's played for almost a decade in Loserville, and Judge looks as motivated as ever. You know, telling everyone he's not gonna be one hit wonder. He's not gonna be a fluke. He's he's motivated. Sanchez, after all offseason, you know, he can't block a ball out of camp. You know, you listen on the radio, all they say is Sanchez is, you know, he's 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 motivated, he's ready to go. So the team is just, you know, just feel about the team for a second, you know? Like, you know, Phil, when you look at the team, like, are you confident in them thinking when they're down in the run in the final innings to come back and win? I, I'm very confident. You know, I think this this team is very young, and already they have the, the qualities of the teams. And, you know, not that I, you know, I really lived it, but you care about the stories like the mid-'90s Yankees. You know, like, they started off young, and they, but they were all mature enough to win then, you know. So, you know, I'm worried about the Red Sox, but I, I genuinely think the Yankees are a better team, and they're ready to win before the Red Sox are. I'm confident, but I just I hate having the pressure on us again. Like last year was fun. No, everyone, last year was no pressure. Everyone was rooting for us, man. You, the baby bombers are coming up. And they're doing it right. Then I'm not complaining. We got to drink all the stand, but that all got wiped away real quick. We didn't stand and become the evil empire again. And people gonna hate us. And no one's rooting for us besides us. It's us against everyone. But it's fun. But it does scare me that we have these World Series of bust expectations because you know I'm not used to that in, in years. But that's all I grew up on was. Okay, the season starts. Let's uh, let's walk until August, September, uh, October comes. The division round. That's our regular season. Then the championship is really the owner of the postseason. You know, that's what you grew up on. And would you rather have that, or would you rather have the the Yankees teams of 2011 starting like Vernon Wells in the lineup? But we never experienced what we experienced last year. So it's, we like had a taste of like that doing the right way. You like, had a taste of reality. <laughs> a taste of reality, like of grinding something out. That's, gr- grinding. that's how the first dynasty started. True. But they didn't get your call set in 1997. Uh, the, I mean, they had uh, versions of him back then. Yeah. I mean, just by by committee because <laughs> yeah. they had so many studs. Uh, I, 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 I feel you guys. Pitching, I yeah. really just wanted. I just wanted to challenge you because I just I just know there is a real reality, which is a, a redundant statement right there. But there is a reality in which the Yankees are fighting for the division, and they're not going to just run away with it. And I think that's just as realistic as them winning it. You know. Eat with ease, right? Yeah. So I, I wanted to challenge you guys on that. I don't truly believe it. If I um, if I'm picking a winner, I'm picking the Yankees. I mean, why? How can you not pick the Yankees to win that division? But it is something to think about. And certain players do perform differently when they're under pressure. And Giancarlo Stanton has never been under that pressure. Aaron Judge last year, for the first half of the season, it was entirely gravy because no one expected that and then right after the all-star break when everyone expected him yeah everyone expected him to continue he hit a huge huge slump so there is reason to be concerned here but i totally get the hype and i'm behind it for sure and judge said in his own words i'm not i'm not trying to be a one and done so i i think he's putting the work in i'm pumped um but yeah the red sox should be good jj is a fucking good hitter uh, Xander Bogart should come back really well. But you got Betts, Benintendi. They have a very, very good lineup. It's not a walk in the park for the Yankees. They have, they still have Chris Sale. Besides Chris I would, Sale, I though. I don't want that way anyway. I, I want to beat the Red Sox. Of course. Up. After Chris Sale, that, that rotation is shaky at best as well. So I think we have a better rotation and a better bullpen than the yeah. Red Sox. I, I, th- I think. Oh, best bullpen no matter what. I, I think top to bottom, you know, the Yankees have Severino, who. Uh, is Sal a better ace? Yeah. I'm worried about Severino, dude. What do you mean you're worried? These young pitchers, man, they have these 
like that could happen. But you, like you, can't, you can't think like, like of course it could happen, but like, or, or of course it can't happen. Like it's, you, you can't think about the worst. You know, like you just got to think about what is right now. You got to you know? plan for the worst. Uh, he's he's 24 and he got better from the second half on last year. I think he's only on a on a career uptick right now. And uh, you got to think, you know, he comes back, he's gonna be another top five Cy Young candidate. Who's a better starting pitcher in the American League right now uh, than Severino? Um, Kluber Sale. Okay, Kluber Sale, right? Better as far as from those two. Verlander in the second half. So like, I mean, even, I don't, I disagree. But if you want to say Verlander, you know, okay, you know, and anyone else, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's at least the top five, you know. But see, he he did it for one year. Let's see, because he previously was not as good as he was. Um, so you got like Chris Archer, Marcus Stroman. They just just as good as him, and he kind of came back there a little bit. So. I see if Severino could repeat again. It's, a, it's the whole question for the whole team. Can you do what you did last year? Absolutely. I mean, let's let's chalk up the guys who you can trust the absolute most, that they will be close to what you expect, no matter what. I'm putting in Gary Sanchez. I'm putting in D.D. Gregorius. And I'm putting in Brett Gardner. And I think the floor for Giancarlo Stanton is higher than Aaron Judge's floor, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Say they both bottom out and have bad years. I think Giancarlo Stanton's floor is higher than Judge's. Um and then, and then those those secondary tertiary guys for the Yankees, the Wades, the Drurys, the Walkers, their floors are, are decently high as well. They don't have huge ceilings, of course. But let's talk about the pitching staff because Mickey Callaway, shout out Mets, we're going to be doing their preview um, later on this week or next week sometime. But Mickey Callaway said something on an interview during one of their games. He said, no matter what we do, no matter what, some of these guys are going to be hurt. And that's why it's so great in spring training to see some of these other people who might be getting called up. To, to save the day, right? So we know about Andujar and Torres as two of those guys who can possibly come up and save the day. But from a pitching standpoint, you mentioned Severino and Tanaka and Sonny Gray. Who are, who are the secondary and tertiary guys amongst the Yankees rotation who need to be solid back-end rotation guys? Or if somebody goes down, you need to kind of put more on their plate. Yeah, um, the re-signing CC, uh, you know, after the year he had last year, I think you, you know, don't expect that to happen again. It was It was a real... Pleasure what he did last year. He was, you know, one after every loss, he was the guy to come back and, and stop it. Um, you know, CC is he give you the innings that that's a good back end guy. You know, you got Monty, he's gonna, you know, he was another rookie of the year candidate. I forgot who won it last year. Um, but he almost won it. Oh, and, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and who, who won it last year? Uh, you want to say it? No, so yeah, Aaron. yeah, the um. The, the fact that he can come back and give you innings too and only get better, you know, he's saying he's trying to develop his changeup. So, you know, those are two back end guys you want to give you the innings. You know, they say the next man up is Domingo Herman. He's been pitching really well, so he's like your next call, you know, on the on the Scranton shuttle. Um, you know, hopefully Justice Sheffield makes an appearance, you know, late, you know, you know, August, September, and he comes out of the bullpen. All of a sudden, like, he's the next, you know, arm to come from the rotation. Um, Chance Adams, give Chance a chance. He's, you know, not really doing too hot. Chance the pitcher, um, yeah. I, you know, if he could pan out well, you know, that'd be great too. You you got to hope that you know the the arms like the Adam Warrens, you know, who want to come in once in a while, like they they stay healthy. That's that's just as important as, as everyone are, are else. You, are you feeling more confident this year? Because last year it wasn't really a big question about the offense; it was really about the pitching. Can this pitching hold up? How much more confident are you this year in the strength and depth of the New York Yankees pitching staff? Last year at this time, I was. Um, I was uh, okay with the idea of moving Severino to the bullpen. And now he's our ace. And now he's our ace. Remember last year, we're like, oh, Yankees have four starters. Who's their fifth starter? Right. We didn't even know. I remember about that conversation. That's crazy. Wait, let's just wait, hold on. Let's bring this back a year. I told Literally, about, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. This time, this time last year, people were saying the Mets were a lock for the wild card. 
in the in National League, and the Yankees will hopefully play some fun, r- well-spirited 500 if baseball. We're in it, we're in it. That's yeah. what the, be, literally, literally one year ago. You talk about it like that. Then oh it's my god! Like, oh, wow. And now it's the that complete opposite. The Mets are hopefully going to play some well-spirited 500 baseball, and the Yankees are supposed to be a lock for the playoffs. Full bait and switch in yeah. one year. Times are changing. Um, yeah, you know, even though I wanted to relegate him to the bullpen, he's our ace, Severino, and I think you know he has 24 going. You know, getting older, he should only get better. Um, Tanaka was. Lights out in the playoffs. He was one ninety array, like he was, you know, two and zero and three starts. Like he was legit, and that's the guy you kind of paid for when you when you signed him. You know, the big game pitcher. Um, and I was thinking about it yesterday. Picture the Yankees when they signed Tanaka, and you know he was like twenty seven, I think twenty eight. You know, he was like in his prime, and how the Angels just signed Otani, and I thought Otani was gonna come in kind of like exactly how how Tanaka did, and I think he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna get uh, minor leagued, Triple A. But he's gonna, you know, he's gonna struggle a little bit. At least it looks like from the beginning. Um, Sonny Gray, whole off season with Rothschild, you know, whole off season with the Yankees, fitting with the team, like a full sp- spring training. I think he's gonna be, you know, maybe our ERA leader. And then, um, uh, yeah, I touched, I touched them all. I touched, yeah, them, all. touched I'm, them all. I'm, I'm pretty confident, you know. And listen, the pitching, it, they could all get hurt, you know. They could, you know, have down years. Pitching is always your most, um, you know, flimsy position. But, you know. I think there's a lot more upside this year than there was last year for the pitching. Uh, I think injuries are going to happen, and maybe they make a move at the deadline for an arm. They have the freaking pieces in the in the farm system yeah, to really wheel I, and deal. You know, make I, their I, Verlander move. I just don't, you know, I don't know who it would be. I looked it up. There's not many many guys available. You know, you know, maybe I, I wish in a perfect world like Kershaw was somewhat like a sign and traded extension. Like I give up the fucking yeah, no, oh, no shot. Me, the, the house for him. But yeah, no, that would be that would be amazing. All right, so that's a good thing to bring up though, the farm system, right? So. Last year, we were talking about Duhar and Glaber Torres last year and Clint yep. Frazier last year. Frazier got a, a cup of coffee last year uh, before some injuries. Obviously, the Yankees outfield is stacked. So let's take this time now. Can I, can I throw you a scenario at you right now? Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about Clint Frazier at first base? Why? Just because? Cause no, because like, you, you do not know Greg Bird's future here. Yeah, that's fair. But also, so like. Frazier said, I'll do anything playing the field. Go out, go, so I'll take Grand at first base. It's a, it's a position it's up it's a position it's open. Very I, I, open. I have a problem with how people just say that for, no, anybody no, 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 can just no, no, switch no, the no, first I'm base. Saying, just, you could train and that's yeah. that, that potential view because outfield stacked. We have Florio coming up as well. Right. Stanton and Judge. Right. Like, the outfield should be set and he plays outfield. It's true. Very talented bat. For him to get on the field, first base is a very open option for him. It's not crazy. That's why you have Neil Walker right now. Yeah. That's why you have Neil Walker. So wait, let's go to this for a second. So. Last year we're talking about who's coming up, who's going to come up and, and and really make a splash, right? So, out of these Andujar Torres characters that w- we hear so much about, Mike and Phil, when are they coming up? If if they're coming up, and who do you have the most faith in to really make a splash once they get here? So they, it's kind of weird now. They, you know, they have like Andujar like playing at first for that exact reason, Phil. It, you know, because you know I think that you want versatility, but guys like Frazier, I think they're destined for uh, for corner outfield. I think he's destined to get traded. To be honest with you, I, I know he could be the superstar bat, but at the same time, um, you know you're gonna have to trade these guys at some point. Um, the McKinley at first base, you know, yeah. you have Tyler Austin there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of, it's that's a logjam in itself, first base. Yeah. So I don't know how, um, you know, I, I don't know how much you could make uh, Clint Frazier play over there. In terms of guys coming up first, I would have to say uh, besides you, the pitcher, yeah, pitcher's yeah, usually calling first. I think. Unless there's an injury, you know, to Tyler Wade or or uh, Brandon. And Duhar, his bat's ready, but his, his glove is not. Yeah, no, I, 
I, I would go Andahar over Torres only because Torres got like four hits in the spring. Like he needs at least a couple months. You know, they say, oh, you have to get him to the uh, the arbitration. Yeah, he had major mark. surgery too. You know, get him to the arbitration mark and call him up. Like if you don't need to, it was like last year. You know, if you don't need to call him up, why would you? It also depends how Drury's doing and Walker's yeah. doing. Like, do, we, do, we need, do we need a little um a, sh- like a spark in the lineup? Maybe. But remember, so Torres got a Tommy John on his left elbow from diving on the home plate. Yeah. His left elbow is his, his leading for his swing. Very good. So that's gonna come that's not gonna come natural to hit these fastballs. That's why he's struggling. He hasn't like really hit a bat in live pitching after a, a surgically repaired yeah, it's, elbow. It's, it's so okay, it's cool. Giving the kid time. Guy's twenty one, you know, he's yeah. and he's never played anything higher than than double A ball. Mm-hmm. And course, I also yeah, think no, so. a reason why they didn't uh, address really third base this season the long term, because I think they they're eyeing Manny Machado, which I don't know if we have the conversation now, but they they're clearly doing the whole cycle their base kind of thing. Uh, they could trade in Duhar and get Machado. I don't know. That's yeah, I mean the plan. When you, have, when you have guys like Drury who could play third, second, you tell, left he's field. Like, yeah, but go Cairo. When you have uh, Walker who could play first, second, third. When you have so long term, they haven't they haven't yeah, locked in long term. There's no reason to that. You know, Mustakis. I I said on one year deal, but oh yeah, I love know, that. He, he's a you know he would just play third power. base too. So you know I. I, the Yankees won't call anyone up unless it's it's necessary, and even then, you know, I, I didn't think Therese was going to make the team until uh, Bird got hurt, and now I think he's he's on the team only because of that reason. Because mm-hmm. now you're going to have Walker, who is, who is more of a first baseman than a utility player, uh, along with Austin, and then you're going to have Drury and Wade as your starting infielders, and then Toe becomes your utility guy. But I thought Toe was really destined to you know to get DFA'd because there's really no room for him on the team. And I, I personally you know he's a he's a nice little you know, player when you're the Yankees of last year. I think you have so many better much talent than than Ronald Torres. We this went year. all this time without talking about Jacoby Ellsbury. Oh, my man's hurt. <laughs> he's yeah. hurt. That's so true though. It really is the most expensive uh, player in your outfield, Jacoby Ellsbury. Nah, Sam makes a little more, I think. Who? Oh, Stan. I'm true. That's true. true. He actually might live. I don't know. I forgot about Stan. Stan, And I also, Stan's like majority going to be DH, right? He'll play in the field, of course, but he's a DH. I I was thinking Judge and uh, Hicks and all these other guys in the outfield, Brett Gardner. Mm -hmm. I think combined their salaries doesn't touch Ellsbury's. One quick question, which are you worried about Gary Sanchez behind the plate? Uh, No. uh, For what he lacks in his blocking ability, he makes up in his throwing arm. So, yeah, but a block and a miss, a lazy glove could cost you a game, especially in October. He, he, he was my biggest concern in October. His glove. Yeah, he's another young catcher. Yeah, but he's. You know, I, I'm not giving up on him. He's only that was the first full year catcher member. So I I'm, can't. The, he he brings so much to my table that I can't worry about his glove behind the plate. You know, it'll frustrate me, and I'll you know I'll curse it, and I'll say you know work on it. But that's what he's been doing supposedly. So, yeah, I hope uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I he he's he's the best hitting catcher in baseball I right now. He he could be the I think he has like the the third best like I don't know if it was like catching war or like some sort of like arm percentage. I don't know what it was behind like J T Real Muto who was a boss. Nice. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I, I could get away with the glove being a little off par. I think the two players that have really benefited of Joe Girardi not coming back are Gary Sanchez and Dylan Batanzas. I feel like they both got clean slate sounds up. Batanzas, him I don't know if uh, Girardi it's his own mental case, but Potential was not himself last year. And Spring was, I don't think Spring was Zachary either, but I'm hoping now Boone gets all the confidence in the world. You're, hey, go get him. Like, Bre- go get him, Brown. Aaron Boone brought his brother onto the, the staff. Did you say Brett Boone? No, did I? You might have said Brett Boone, I think, for a little slip there. Well, Aaron Boone. <laughs> I'm hoping Aaron Boone gets all the confidence to deal potential because he needs it. Would it be kind of neat if uh, he brought Brett Boone on the staff? Uh, the Sanchez thing, for sure. Apparently, 
part of the reason Cashman was so willing to part ways with Joe Girardi. You playing Joe Girardi, he's a former catcher. What like, you well, ever think of that? Well, yeah, uh, he just expects so much out of Gary Sanchez, right? Like Joe Girardi was was a hardcore guy, right? Gary Sanchez doesn't seem like he's that hardcore. That Indian game when um, Sanchez said that, um, he hit the glove and Girardi chose not to challenge, I think that's when he lost Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Like that's he, not earlier. Gary Sanchez, he, he to me, he feels like the guy who prefers loosey-goosey. He doesn't want to be challenged on a bunch of crap. He doesn't want to be told what to do ball. all the time. Man, let, just man, let him go out and play. Yeah, right. And I think the catching thing, he's naturally going to get a little bit better. And hopefully not as many mound visits this year. Yeah, he's he's cut off on him this year. Well, there's no real punishment. He's yeah. just not. He's just encouraged not to, pretty much. Uh, would you rather see Gary's defense increase and but sacrifice his hitting, Phil, or are you okay with the way he hits and you know the the you know the the framing type catcher and the uh, the general behind the field? You know what's you know, so so like in a world where you had to give one for the other like video games, you had to put the attributes up. <laughs> um, I think I actually would. I think I keep, I I keep catching hitting. The, I think that's just really important. I think the playoff times that like that game was used to, and he botched the ball with it a perfect throw, like that, like stuff, stuff, little stuff like that. Of course, you and that over 162 games, yeah, the hitting is gonna outshine the the catcher. But playoff time, when every pitch, every play matters on a, on a micro macro level, it's hard to ignore that. So I, I hope, I hope he put the work in this this offseason. I I believe him. He's still again, he's only second full year catching. He's that's a very, that's a big note right yeah. there. I think that's a big note. All right, well. Let's start to round this thing up. I got a few more things I want to hit while we talk about the Yankees here. So, Mike, our our in-house gambling, uh, what do you connoisseur? connoisseur? I don't gamble. Just on the Yankees over every year, no matter what. So, I want you mentioned it before though. So, the Yankees over set at ninety three. You said, yeah, is that right? Ninety three and the hook. That sounds kind of like it's tempting you to just take that over. I don't know. Vegas seems like they're just saying, "Oh, the Yankees, ninety-three. That's nothing. That's a piece of cake." Yeah, cool. Because I don't think you could expect them to. I don't think you could put it at ninety-five. Because I think that's where going to be at. I think they're going to win ninety-five games. Um, if any team's going to win a hundred, it's going to be Houston, and you know they might win ninety-eight. I just think it's you know anything higher than ninety-three and a half. You know, can you see the Yankees? You know, winning ninety games, they have to, they won ninety one to get to the wild card last year. Right. And the idea is for them to win the, a division this year. They like all the favorites to win the division. So it's basically 95. saying, you know, if you're gonna uh, uh, win the division, you have to beat the Red Sox. So it's basically you bet on the Yankees to be able to beat the Red Sox all year. And I guess that's just you know up to your personal opinion. But so the right answer is yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a little bit of stink on that ninety three right there. You think so? This is just a touch of stink because I think there's so much hype that Vegas is trying to get the suckers to be like, oh my god, easy money. No, over 93, they're going to win 95, they're going to win 100 games, they're going to win the division, and Vegas is going to be la- laughing last. Know this now. Vegas has never laughed at me. <laughs> I do the laughing. <laughs> All right, that's good stuff. All right, uh, that's enough on the over, because I think, realistically, everybody at this table is going to say, oh, we're, hitting the, we're, we're hitting the over with yeah. the Yankees, right? So, getting off that, I want to just open it up to you, and I'm going to qualify this because it's a little bit it makes it a little more different so the x factor right the mvp of the team not the guy on the team most likely to win al mvp because yeah. that would obviously be stanton or judge like there's no other real answer there who is the number one x factor in your eyes basically like the strongest glue guy or the guy who's going to come out of nowhere and have a great season who is your x factor for the new york yankees this year i got two uh brett garner if he you know that scenario Aaron Judge doesn't leave off happens. Um, I think Brett Garner should have a great year, and it should be Sonny in the Bronx as well. I think Sonny Gray, 
he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher a couple of years ago, and he, he hasn't much changed. Last year, he pitched that great, and we just didn't hit. This year, I think we should be able to hit. So, Sonny Gray, lock him up. You're in a fantasy, you're in a fantasy league yet. Try to get Sonny Gray. I think he's going to be the stud of the Yankees staff this season. Um, I'll go a pitcher and a hitter as well. My hitter is going to be Aaron Judge. If he somewhat – he doesn't have to replicate last season. If he just makes it like an average – you know, like – I don't want to say average season. If he just puts up, you know, the, the 30, 100 type numbers and then some – then you realize that you have your franchise player for the next decade. And that's it. You know, it's this season's all about seeing if Aaron Judge isn't the one hit wonder. He doesn't seem like he's gonna be, he seems like he doesn't want to be, but you, you don't know until you see it. He doesn't have the fifty two home runs again. If he hits thirty five, that'd be amazing. And it's a Raldis Chapman. Uh the best teams in the playoffs have the best bullpen. If you have the best bullpen led by the best closer, if he's healthy all year, and then you know, I think a lot of pitchers, especially in the two I always bring up, are Chapman and Arietta. They both were a little tired last year. They both got a little hurt during the season. They both fell off a little bit. Chapman was in that month funk, you know, month plus funk, where Girardi had to bench him a little bit, bring him out in the sixth. You know, th- this year, he wasn't as overused last year, more of like, uh, you know, contained pitching limits. He stays healthy, anchors your, your bullpen. The, the We didn't mention the names. I, I have to. I just got to go through the bullpen once. I forgot we have Debbie Robertson. It's like a luxury. It's like no, a luxury car. You have, you have Chapman, and then you have Robertson, and then you have Canely. Wait. Oh, then you have Batances, and then you have Chad Green. Green. Like you have, I just named six. Did I named six. Five. I named five guys who could potentially be closers on on a lot of teams in, the, in Major League Baseball, and that's that bullpen is. And you have pitchers who are going to go deep into the game. So when you don't have to use them for length, when you have to use them just for you know picking them off, you know, when you just have to go in like, oh, you know what, sixth inning, like first and second, one out, like we're up by a run, you know what, let's bring in Chad Green, you know, let's get him through this inning, let's get out. That guy's throwing those ninety eight in the bottom he out of the side. He was a higher gun last year you know? in the playoffs. Then then the eighth inning comes, all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, you know what, like another jam. Like do I go to do I go to Tommy Canley at those ninety eight too, or do I go to Robertson who's pretty clutch, or do I go to Dylan Batances when I got Chapman rolling in the pen? Like you just the options you have with the bullpen. And one of them can get hurt, and they're still going to be good. I had to mention the bullpen because I it, I still think I don't know if it's still our strongest suit when you have the, the power outfield. I think it still is. But I'm it's looking at the, the Sports thing. Illustrated with, with Stanton and Judge on it. I think the the outfield's our strength now, but the bullpen is is the best in baseball by far. Quick hot take: I think next year Andrew Miller comes back. Wow, that would be really cool. Yeah. I, everyone loves Andrew Miller. Yeah, right? I, I think D Rob's up. I believe somebody's up. So I think. Miller comes on back. I actually can't believe that we went this whole time without mentioning the bullpen, who last year it was like, all right, the offense could be pretty good. The pitch, the, pitch, the pitching rotation's a little iffy. Thank God the Yankees got that bullpen. And then we went 55 minutes over here. We hardly mentioned them. Hardly to be mentioned. It's like, yeah, it's a thing. Like, it's, yeah, we it, have a good bullpen. It, it's incredible. Question it, you can't like we, we, we can't critique it a little bit. Like, it's there. <laughs> it's not much to say when you yeah, when you just exactly. go through those those names right there. I almost forgot about and Tommy Canley. Trust, yeah. I I almost forgot about Canley. I almost forgot about Roberson. Right, and then you know you have like your Adam Warren is your long guy, and right. he's he's pretty good too. Jason Shreve is our other lefty in the bullpen. I feel bad for Jason because like he's by far the worst guy in the bullpen, <laughs> and like there's other like young pitchers coming up. Like he's he's probably like man, like I'm just I'm I'm here for the ride. They're you know? asking him to take the picture, not be in the picture. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's, I don't like I don't like the way you put it for poor Jason. Um, no, it, it's it, it's crazy, man. It's, it's crazy. I, I love the bullpen. You know, since we watch Yankee baseball, they've always had. A, a top-notch bullpen. You know, for the longest time, you had the, the best closer in baseball, best of all time. 
and then you know, all the pieces here and there. Remember, like, the, the Mariano got hurt that year, shagging a fly, and then yeah. Rafael Soriano came in. All of a sudden, he was like, you know, the, the another all-star closer. It's, you know, the bullpen always works magic for the Yankees. For sure. All right, let me let me yeah. shout my X-Factors out at you. Yeah, go. Um, I really love the Sonny Gray. I don't want to be redundant. So I'm going to start off with my hitter, X-Factor. Uh, when you said yours before, I thought you were going where I'm going. I'm going Aaron Hicks. Yeah? I think Aaron Hicks is a guy who I – personally, I love his defense. He has the pop. He has the tools to be a really good player. Uh, there were times last year where he's looked like he shouldn't be in this lineup. And then there was times like, holy hell, this guy is, is great. Switch hitter. Switch hitter. Ho- hose from the outfield. Yeah. Very good defensive outfielder. If he can be consistent, you know, a 265 with some pop, he ties together everything. Yeah. He ties it all together. Because then you can give anybody a rest day whenever you want. He's going to be pretty much an everyday player anyway. He's a starting center fielder with Jacoby Ellsbury out. But when Ellsbury comes back, he might not have a place to play if Aaron Hicks is good. And basically, you kind of want that to happen in a way because that means you're you're riding down the highway with no one in front of you. That is a good thing. So Aaron Hicks is my X factor from a hitting standpoint. And I really wanted to go Sonny Gray, but since you did, I'm saying Tanaka. Tanaka's a guy who last year, for all intents and purposes, wasn't that consistent. He had a really rough start. No, like he he he, he picked up in the middle of the season and then. Uh, you know, just kind of normal, average. And then in, in August and September, he ran on that six-start streak where he was like, okay, this is the guy, you know, he's kind of coming into form. And then, like I said, the playoffs, he was their, their best pitch, their best starting pitcher by far. Absolutely. So I think Tanaka, you always got to he, – he's he's basically, without Severino's year last year, he's the guy yeah. in this rotation. Yeah. And if Severino didn't go out of his mind last year, Tanaka, you'd still be looking at him as the ace of the staff. Luckily, someone stepped up. He can still be the ace. If he is near what he can be, scary-ass one-two punch right there. Uh, Does anyone have any last words, any transgressions, anything to digress with when we close this Yankees podcast here? Yeah, I'll finish with last year we wanted to have fun. This year we want to win. Um, Every game to be stressful for the Yankees now. And Last year it was like, oh, we're winning. Let's keep it going. Maybe we'll make a little run. Now it's like, how how do we just lose that game? Why do we just lose to the Baltimore Warriors in July on a Tuesday? It would be very, very stressful on Twitter, I tell you that. So um, I'm here for the ride. I'm hoping to see. I hope it's like a video game, but I'm ex- nothing's perfect, fans. Like every super team, look at the Red Sox a couple of years ago. The, nothing's perfect. Got still got to play the games. Everybody's bringing their A game every night. So let's have some fun and you know, try not to be too stressed. Yeah, th- this isn't a video game, folks. This is reality, and reality is setting in that tomorrow, Thursday, March 29th. The 2018 world champion New York Yankees will step onto the field in Toronto. Their ace Severino is going to go out. He's going to pitch a gem. You're going to see a couple home runs, one from Sanchez, one from either Judge or Stanton. And that's going to be the start of, you know, the, the, this wonderful season. And it, go to some games, you know, while the tickets are still cheap. You're going to want to, you know, if you sneak into a playoff game, this year, a good few. But it's going to get back to the way it was in the early 2000s at some point, late 90s. Things are going to be expensive again. But enjoy the team because for all you folks who are you know our age, the '90s dynasty really wasn't ours. You know, I remember maybe the 2000 World Series. I don't know if you guys remember the the '90s World Series. I really don't. It wasn't my Yankees, and they won again. They lost a couple. They lost two Heartbreaker World Series in our lifetime, and they won in 2009 OPs a little bit. I want that that legit dynasty back, and and this is the beginning of it. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Welcome to Yankee season. That was beautiful. I uh. As a Mets fan here, if, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know a Mets fan, good time for me to at least throw it in there. 
I actually like a lot. Of, I like a lot of these guys in the Yankees, and I find it hard to root against them. But I definitely won't be upset if you guys, you know, fall on your face. That being said, though, I'm gonna wish my best luck to Aaron Boone. Thank you. We accept that. Joe Girardi. On his behalf, we accept. All Joe Girardi got for winning every single year was crap, 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 and more crap. And I tried to sit here and defend him and said, "You guys don't know what you're gonna be missing out on when he's gone." Well, now you have Aaron Boone, and my my best intuition says Aaron Boone's going to be good. I, I think he really loves baseball. He loves the game. He's going to love this job for the most part. But Joe Girardi got criticized for winning, winning, and winning. So good luck to Aaron Boone. Yeah. I, I, Keep your head on straight, and I hope you're the best. You know, we didn't really touch him at all. I just said the one thing is that I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. But um, you know, and, and Phil was being all negative, Nancy before. Don't be negative, Nancy. But if things do get bad. How quickly is he on the hot seat? Oh, but my God. I, see, I don't want to hear that yeah. yet. I don't no, want to hear that cool. yet. That's cool. I don't think you can put him on the hot seat all this year. Go back to the, you know, it's Yankee season. That's how it ends. But Yankee season. Aaron Boone, good luck. Don't don't look at Twitter. <laughs> Not that he will, but that's it. I hope he'll be here for most of the year. We're breaking down every every weekend, but we'll be here. We'll break down the big things. That's it, man. Follow uh, at Sportblog NYC for all things Yankees, all things New York sports. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this fine podcast, the Sportsblog New York podcast. Joining me tonight was Phil DeMeo, Mike Palmazano. My name is Peter Kennedy. Now you guys have a fantastic day. Mets preview coming soon. And an interview with a New Orleans Saints linebacker hey. coming soon as well, Hi, Nate Stuper. Going to be yeah, sitting down with him soon. That's a little tease. That's a little tease. If someone's still here, shout out to them. They know we got an interview with a little Saints linebacker coming up soon. Let's go, Yankees.